Well, good morning. Did you know that uh, in our day and age that over 4 million babies will be born into the U.S. in a given year? The, the most common day that children are born on is, is Tuesday. The least common day is Sunday. And the most popular month, I guess, uh, that kids are born is, is September. You know, when, of all the millions of millions of people who have been born into this world through the course of human history, people will often ask in the world, why do Christians make such a big deal about the, the birth of this little baby boy, this little Jewish boy born into poverty over 2,000 years ago to a teenage mother? What is the relevance? What's the importance for us today? Well, in the three weeks leading up to Christmas, we're looking at uh, an answer to that question. Uh, Not fully comprehensive, of course. You can't cover that all in three weeks. But we're looking at what difference does the events of Christmas, the birth of Christ, make to us in our past, our present, and our future. And last week, we looked at the topic of of our past. Uh, What difference does the birth of Christ make to us in our past? Uh, Our mistakes, our faults, our our flaws, our, our broken families, our broken relationships, what difference does Christ make to us in our past? And we looked for some answers to the genealogy of Christ in Matthew 1, where we discovered a, a lot of very flawed, even scandalous people in the family tree of Jesus Christ. And yet God worked in them and through them to bring peace and hope and, and salvation. And we can have that same hope and salvation as well. Today we're looking at the difference that Christ's birth can make to us uh, in our present And to get some answers to that, we're going to begin going back in a little time machine. We're going back 700 years before the birth of Christ. And that's the context of of the reading from Isaiah 7. And the setting is this in Isaiah 7. The the people of God are in sort of a civil war. Uh, The people are broken into two kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom, uh, which is called Israel. They're led by a king called Rezin or Rezin. Uh, And the people in the south kingdom, which has broken off, is called the kingdom of Judah. And they're led by a king called Ahaz. And there's a big dispute about the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is occupied or part of the southern kingdom. And it's not much different than today. You know, when you look in the news, Jerusalem is a hot topic, a very controversial city. The, The Arabs have interest in it. The Palestinians do. The Jewish people do. It was the same back then. And so the king of the northern kingdom, Reason, kind of makes a a tough choice. He decides to make an alliance with a a bitter enemy, the king of Syria. And the purpose of the alliance is we're going to invade and attack and conquer Jerusalem. That's the context that we read about leading up to the the middle of chapter 7 in verse 14, which we'll look at in just a second before we move on to chapter 9. And so into this setting, uh, God sends a prophet, Isaiah, to talk to King Ahaz. King Ahaz is freaking out. He can see the armies amassing. They're overwhelmed. They're going to be overwhelmed. And and God sends Isaiah to him to tell him, to paraphrase, basically saying, stay calm. Don't worry. I'm sovereign. I'm God. And just to let you know that I'm going to be with you, I'm going to send you a sign. Tell me what you would like for a sign. Ahaz for whatever reason, does not ask God for a sign. In fact, he decides he's going to rely upon himself, and it leads to tragic consequences. But despite this, God sends a sign that will be for the people. And this is what we read in Isaiah 7, 14. It's a verse we hear read 
a lot at Christmas time. Therefore, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel, we know, means God with us. You know, when you go back to the beginning of the story of, of, of the Bible and you look through the story of, of, of the Christian faith, a constant theme is that God is, is with us. You go to the beginning of Genesis. God creates uh, everything. He creates human beings. He's with them in the garden. And then the story goes, of course, that people reject God. They don't trust God. They listen to Satan. And as a consequence, they were removed from, from God's presence in the garden. But God, that doesn't mean that God rejected them and that God no longer wanted to be with them. Because immediately after they leave the garden, God makes a promise to them, a promise of hope. Well, look, let's look at that promise in Genesis chapter 3. God says this to Satan, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. In other words, this is looking forward to the time of Christ, when Christ would be born of a woman, and Christ would, would do battle with Satan, Satan would wound Jesus, kill him in a sense, but then Jesus would raise from the dead. That Jesus would lose the battle, but he would win the war. And then we see this fulfillment of this promise in the beginning of Matthew's gospel, where we read this. This is the fulfillment of the, of the 700-year sign, as well as from Genesis 3. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then they quote Isaiah 7:14. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So in part, the reason we make such a big deal about the birth of this little Jewish boy over 2,000 years ago is because he is God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, the fulfillment of, of God's promise to his people, that he will be with them. It tells us this in John 1.14 in a different way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So in the incarnation, Jesus came to us 100% God, 100% divine, and he came to be God with us. And what that means is that in the midst of darkness or loneliness or depression or illness or fear or confusion, that God is with us. That's God's promise to us. And that's one very important um, result of Christ coming to us at Christmas time. But it's not the only reason that we celebrate the birth of Christ and we make such a big deal about it. Because as you wake your way through Isaiah, you move from Isaiah 7 into Isaiah 8. And we see the consequences of Ahaz rejecting the sign of God. They're overtaken, they're overrun, they're hauled into exile. 
Yet even then, God does not abandon his people because then he goes to Matthew, excuse me, Isaiah 9 and makes a promise that they will experience a great light in the midst of darkness. We read this in the passage that was read a minute ago, starting in chapter 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them his light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as joy, as with joy at the harvest, for the yoke of his burden and his staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Remember the Midianites? They're the ones who Gideon and 300 men did battle with, defeated them against great odds. That's what we're referencing. And for every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. So the picture is, Isaiah 7, Ahaz is scared to death, but he rejects the sign of God, does not believe God. There are consequences for that, but even in the midst of that darkness and exile in Isaiah 9, God promises them that light will come, and that light's going to come through a child, and he will put end to darkness and to oppression and to war. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the Bible tells us here that not only Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, but Jesus is also God for us. He's for us. Let's, let's see the implications of that through the four titles given to him here. Jesus is for us in that he is our Wonderful Counselor. So unlike Ahaz, who was afraid of the foreign kings, unlike so many of the kings and leaders, uh, the people of Israel, unlike uh, so many of our leaders in government, Jesus always gives good counsel. Jesus is always wise. He's always knowing. And he's for us. So James 1 tells us if we lack wisdom, that we can go to God and God will willingly give us Wisdom. Jesus is for us in that he is our wise counselor. Secondly, Jesus is for us in that he is our mighty God. Mighty gives you the sense of a warrior. And and really, Jesus is for us in that he does battle for us on behalf of us against our enemies. It was predicted back in Genesis 3, remember? And the same is true for us today. And, And the greatest battle that we see Jesus fight throughout the stories of the scriptures, is the battle against our greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death. He lives a perfect life of obedience, resists the temptations. He goes to the cross in obedience. He destroys the work of the devil and dark forces by dying on a cross for our sin. And when Satan comes to accuse us of our sin, Jesus stands in the gap and says, I forgave that, I forgave that, I paid for that, I paid for that. Romans 8 tells us that there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is God for us as our mighty God. He fights for us. He battles for us. He advocates for us. Thirdly, Jesus has given the title of of eternal father. You know, the Bible tells us that that there's the Trinity, God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, a, a mysterious reality. But Jesus will act 
as a father acts, a loving father, a compassionate father. He will rule with kindness and mercy and patience, which is the kind of king, the kind of God that we all need. And then finally, Jesus is for us in that he is our prince of peace. He brings peace. He makes peace available to us. We're told this again in the prophecy in Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I mean, everybody wants peace, right? You listen, you watch those... Uh, you know, beauty pageants, once one of the answers. We want world peace. I mean, world peace. Everybody wants peace. We want peace with each other. We want peace within ourselves. We want peace with God. And Jesus is the one who is for us and makes it all available. I mean, Ahaz could have known peace. That sign could have been for him. God with him and for him. But Ahaz rejected God. And it led to tragic consequences, not only for him, but for his people. That does not have to be the case for us. We can have peace with God by putting our trust in him, by believing the sign that God has given us, by believing that God, through Christ, is God with us and God for us. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus is God with us. That in the midst of, of darkness, loneliness, discouragement, failure, sickness, broken relationships, whatever our circumstances, Lord, we know that you are with us through Jesus Christ and we know that you are for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that we can turn to you and receive wisdom and guidance because you are our wonderful counselor. We thank you that you are everlasting Father, that you are compassionate and merciful and patient and loving, that you watch over us and care for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are a Prince of Peace, that through you we can have peace with ourselves, peace with others, and peace with you. And we thank you that you are our mighty God, that you do battle on our behalf that you have won the victory, and through faith in you, your victory becomes ours. And we no longer need to fear death or Satan or struggle with sin. We can have victory through you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth as one of us. And thank you again, Father, for the gift of your Son. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.